Hello and welcome to the Unbundled Attorney Mastermind Podcast. My name is Dave Ahrens and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Unbundled Attorney. In this podcast, we interview many of our provider attorneys, as well as some of the leading experts in the industry to isolate the best practices for building internet-generated leads and how to ethically and effectively offer unbundled legal services and other more affordable options in your practice. For more information about our services, visit www.unbundledattorney.com. All right. I'm really excited to share this episode with you, this interview with one of our provider attorneys out of Chicago, Illinois. His name is Brian Reedy. And we've known Brian for some time, got a chance to meet him at the Clio Cloud Conference. And one of the things I've always appreciated about Brian is that he takes the time to quantify and really build systems in his practice to become more efficient at delivering all the various different services he offers and has also has a, a suite of unbundled options that he's been offering to his clients and you know, delivers those services all the time. We talk a lot about in this interview some of the changes in the marketplace and you know how so many more people are trying to do things on their own, not only just in the legal industry, but also you know on YouTube, learning how to you know fix their fence and do things that work around the house. And you know, we really are in, in not only an age of you know do it yourself, but also the internet age where all the instructions and information forms and everything's available. So learning to understand that and be able to begin to offer options that embrace that trend. Uh, is a core component of being on the cutting edge and staying competitive against companies like IllegalZoom and all these other docking preparation companies. And he really breaks down the exact types of options he offers, what he charges for them, how he explains it to his clients, uh, and, and also some of the things that he's done technologically to become more efficient at doing so. His document automation software, electronic intake, and all the pieces of the puzzle that an attorney that's looking to differentiate his firm and offer, start offering more creative options to his clients. I mean, this is all the nuts and bolts and pieces you need to, to make that happen. So this is a great episode with a lot of really practical strategies you can apply immediately in your practice and a lot of great advice and, uh, and some fun too. So let's get right into it. This interview with Brian Reedy, one of our provider attorneys out of Chicago, Illinois. All right. Hey, Brian. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, man. I feel like it's been a long time coming. We've uh, we've hung out a couple times. Originally, I think we met in person the first time was at the the Clio Cloud Conference back in what have been 2015, the first year we were there, wasn't it? I believe so. It, that that that's um, well. Or was it, it 15 16? or 16? It might have been 16. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, not not too long. After. Somewhere around there. Time flies when you're having fun. Yeah, no doubt. And we certainly had some fun at the time. Uh, when I played some golf college kids. So maybe you can give some, uh, just, you know, a little bit of background on how you got your start in the practice of law, Brian, the areas you serve and the, the lowest score you've ever shot at Cog Hill. Well, uh, I guess take the last one first. It's, it's really not, uh, something worth the discussing. I'd rather uh, say we played best ball and, uh, <laughs> I'll go on, on, on your score. I had a, a lot of fun on the first 14 holes. We'll say that. And, uh, um, you know, it's always a work in progress. Um, yeah. <laughs> as, as far as uh, practice in law, I had a weird uh, um, journey, I guess, uh, in many ways. Most people might be able to relate. Um, I started off uh, going to law school uh, with the mindset of becoming a medical malpractice defense attorney. Uh, my uncle, uh, who was one of my um, mentors and, and idols, was a, a, a prominent uh Med Mal defense attorney in this, the Chicago area. My dad was a, or is a medical doctor, so it was kind of a natural fit. Fast forward through law school, I, I found myself uh, being pulled towards the, the prosecutor's office, um, and I got a, a job with Cook County State's Attorney. I started there in, in 2009, kind of right at the uh, peak of the recession there. Um, so I was fortunate to have a, a position coming out of law school. Uh, work there, and and you over in that office, you kind of get sent to where they need you. You don't really have that much of a choice. Uh, I got uh, eventually moved into abuse and neglect, and a lot of people they they shudder when they hear about you know abuse and neglect. But uh, I actually enjoyed the work. Um, obviously, the circumstances are not great about how people come in, but you you can really help people during a difficult time, and. Uh, I always felt that it was my job as a prosecutor to try and you know, call, call it the way I saw it. So whether it was to reunite the parents or uh, move in a different direction, um, and I liked that. Um, but uh, 
eventually it came to the point where it's either I was going to stay on a track like that or move into private practice. I I got a, a position working for a uh, private firm, did that for a couple of years, uh, learned some things, and then I, I opened up my own shop uh, right at the end of 2014, beginning part of 2015, and I've been doing only uh, divorce and uh, paternity actions in, in the suburbs of Chicago and in, in Chicago. And, and and it's it's interesting. I think it would be interesting to hear your perspective on abuse and neglect. There's, you know, we have you know many many hundreds of, of lawyers doing family law across the country, and inevitably there'll be some cases coming through with you know CPS, DHS, whatever it be might be with varying different types of situations. Um, maybe you can share your perspective on. Uh, do you, by the way, do you still handle those cases as a practicing family law defending the clients when they're dealing with those types of issues? And if so, how is your perspective? on being on the other side of the table uh, influenced your ability to serve those those folks? Uh, kind of answering the, the second part, I, I have not really come across it in my uh, private practice. Um, in, in many parts, uh, because, you know, the, I haven't really, I don't advertise for that or, or state that I'm doing that. And it is kind of a, an, a niche within the law because um, most of the time, the, the DCFS cases, and, and I've had a, a couple, handful here and there where people contact me um, and ask about it. But most of the time they stay out of court, and at that point it's just an administrative proceeding. So, uh, you know, nine times out of ten, if, if you do what the, the, the DCFS worker says to do, uh, they're not going to, you know, take you to court. Um, so DCFS only takes people to court when it's uh, pretty serious and they – they think that uh, the kids are, are in a really bad spot. So they're usually going to give you a, somewhat of a chance to, to get out of it. And, and the other thing is, uh, quite frankly, it's, I, I don't know if this is a, a, uh, a cause and effect, but it, it doesn't, it, in my experience when I was with the state's attorney's office, it was usually uh, lower-income families that were involved with DCFS. Um, why? I'm not sure. Maybe they get more calls. Uh, maybe it's just... I don't know. I don't really have the answer to that. Um, so it's it's not often that I get it, but I've had uh, a few here and there. And mm-hmm. uh, I don't know that my, my perspective has changed because I've kind of looked at it the same way even there. Um, I will have a heart-to-heart with a client in any aspect. You know, tell me what I need to hear um, is what I say because um, I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. And uh, we, we never promise to tell clients what they want to hear and and, and we encourage them to do the same with us. Um, and I say, look, if, if something bad happened, tell us, because we can deal with a bad fact. We can't deal with an unknown fact. So, um, you know, that, that's, I guess, the, the approach I would take and ultimately say, you know, what do you want? Um, hear what they have to say and see if we can outline a plan of action that would get them what they want. Do you think if, if you're not one that, that gets a lot of those leads, there are some jurisdictions, it seems like, where... Uh, more CPS or uh, DCFS types of cases come through inevitably. Um, it's not usually something that we, we work on attracting, but you know sometimes they just come through because people search family lawyer, and then it turns out they have a CPS case. Um, is there, do you think that there's, it's realistic for lawyers to be able to provide services to those folks on an unbundled basis, giving them advice or coaching, or does it always need to be full representation? Is there, could you think of you know any ways in which uh, attorneys could be more creative in, in serving those folks if it's uh, if the, you know they're either of lower income or just you know be able to provide them guidance if the person doesn't have the ability to you know hire for you know three to five thousand up front or is it, or is it just there's no way around it no that's a good question I, I always feel like there is um, there's a way to do one bundle it's a matter of how much time can you put into it and really how much experience do you have with it um, in fact, recently I was trying to break down all of the different steps of a divorce, and 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 obviously there, a divorce can go in a variety of different directions. But at the end of the day, like if you even if you played out a lot of the different scenarios, there's only so many different issues that can come up. Now they can you know spread out in a variety of ways, and they can each be unique. But at the end of the day, it's still a child custody issue or a division of assets issue or, or something along those lines, um, that's what it would fall under. Same thing with, with you know, child protective services. Um, if there's only so many different things that can happen, 
Um, I, I can speak to my experience with Cook County, and uh, in, in that situation, there was uh, a variety of different steps that it would have to be. Um, and I think unbundled, you, you could probably do well with, with at least explaining to somebody in, in straight English, not lawyer speak, you know, here's what's going to happen, you know, um, and trying to help them understand the process better because uh, oftentimes a public defender uh, will do the very best they can, but you have to understand they have to take every single case and they don't have the time uh, to spend an hour, an hour and a half sitting down with somebody to explain, you know, here's what's going to happen and here's what to expect, you know. So I think in that sense, unbundled would be helpful. It would be probably pretty difficult to do uh, full representation, you know, on an unbundled kind of payment plan. I know in Cook County they have, um, or at least they did, they had a, a service provided by the Chicago Bar Association that would have attorneys available uh, if there was, for example, a conflict of interest with the public defender's office. And these attorneys would take these cases at, at severely discounted rates. So it was kind of already there and it was paid for by the county. So in that sense, you're either going to get a public defender or a free attorney, so to say, free to the party, but it's paid for by the county. Hmm. So a more realistic option at least would be, you know, if you have a client that's you know, dealing with this type of issue is you could offer them, you know, an hour, hour and a half of time, whatever it might be, such that they can, you know, understand and have someone in their corner that can advise them and help them understand what it is that they're dealing with and the complexities of it. Yeah, you know, and, and that way maybe you can provide that explanation that the public defender or their private attorney could not, given, the, you know, what they're getting paid. And then, but then you kind of get into that problem of, you know, I don't like to second guess anybody else. You know, I don't like to, you know, if they want a second opinion, I'll, I'll give them an opinion. But then usually you would say, if you, if you want to then hire me, because uh, the last thing you want to do is, is give some information or provide an explanation. They say, boy, I really like you. And then uh, they, they can't afford you. And now they feel like they're stuck with, with whomever. But it really, I think where Unbundled would come in is, is for the person that's almost, if, if you will, like they're penalized because they earn too much, but not enough uh, to, to really afford an attorney. Um, because if they if they didn't qualify for the public defender's office, but you know maybe they got you know a mortgage, you know three kids, and you know one of those things where they're not making a lot of money uh, in in reality, but they make too much to qualify for a free attorney. That's that's probably the sweet spot. That's uh, very difficult to to come by. In in any of the cases that I've gotten from Unbundled that are related to uh, you know child protective services. It's the stuff that happens before court, the, the issues that I've dealt with. Um, and, yeah, that, that can be helpful in, in terms of providing them some guidance of, listen, you need to cooperate. And, you know, barring some, some crazy request from, from DCFS, you know, they just need to hear from somebody else to cooperate and, um, you know, go along with the process. You know, don't be belligerent. Just they're doing their job. You have to understand they, they're, they're overworked. But if you cooperate, you know, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yes, sir, no, sir, you know, those sort of things, you're likely going to, they're going to be out of your hair and everything's going to be fine. Um, but sometimes they just need to hear it from, you know, a, a perceived expert, so to say. Yeah, someone that's in their corner and not necessarily the, the people that are threatening to take their kids, for sure. Exactly. And that, that's where I, again, come back to that, that honest phrase, you know, tell me what I need to hear, because I'm going to tell you what you need to hear, not just what you want to hear. And, uh, if they tell me the, the, the true facts of what's going on, you know, because, you know, the, 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 the reality is DCFS does not start meddling in people's lives for zero reason. You know, they have, they have enough cases. It's not like they're just uh, making stuff up just to have fun. Uh, but they do have to investigate every call. So, yeah, if you get a, uh, you know, a ticked-off neighbor or relative and they, they make a call, DCFS has to investigate, cooperate, go along with it, if nothing happened, they're going to see that, you know. But if the kid's got some uh, some marks or bruises that, that are, are not consistent with the explanation, you've got a problem. So at that point, tell me what's going on so I can give you the proper advice on what you need to do next. Yep, exactly. Okay, great. So, and one of the things, Brian, that I've always appreciated about you is, is you're, you seem 
you're really good at understanding process and, and you're certainly continually improving the ways in which you look at each step of the process of each case in kind of a quantified way and your understanding of unbundled. So um, maybe what you could do, I mean, we've been working together for about a year, sending a lot of clients. Uh, maybe you could kind of unpack um, your personal opinion of unbundled services, uh, share a little bit about the types of options you've developed and some of the systems that you've been working on to be able to offer those in a more streamlined fashion. Sure. Um, well, one of the things that, that I appreciate with, with what Unbundled is trying to do is recognize, and I think more, more attorneys will recognize sooner rather than later, is that um, things are changing and that the, the days of just only getting a, a giant retainer and, and doing work that way um, may last for some people, but, but the reality is it's probably not going to last for everybody. Um, the other thing is that uh, I guess it, it depends on the clientele you want to work with. If you want to work with um, people that have six-figure incomes uh, and pretty much only six-figure incomes, because there are a lot of firms that do that and they do a great job with that, so they kind of have a, a threshold, um, and you're not going to have to deal with unbundled you know, kind of clients. For me, um, I, I like the regular, everyday kind of guy or gal that, that just needs help. They're, they're not the uh, millionaires. Um, they, they don't have um, tons of, of money. Uh, some have a, a good amount of money, but they're also um, realistic with their expectations. And I, what I found with the Unbundled is it provides uh, help to those that would not otherwise get it. And I think it really does help uh, the legal community uh, as well as the clients. Um, I think every attorney that's, that's either appeared in front of a judge with with a pro se person on the other side um, can can understand the frustrations of dealing with that because they have um, the pro se person has no background at all um, they don't know the rules and they just kind of um, say whatever they want and it can be very frustrating um, in dealing with that maybe that pro se person if they had talked to somebody outside of court and kind of had some un- understanding some expectations um, maybe they couldn't afford an attorney but they now you know, at least walk in the court with a little bit more civility. They understand what to expect. They understand what's uh, what's realistic, what's not realistic. Um, and, and I feel like if you're helping and understanding that uh, aspect of it, uh, you're going to be better off. We also have way too many people now um, that want to do it themselves. And there's, quite frankly, there's nothing wrong with that. In, in the, the, you know, with YouTube out there now, with, with everything out there, um, People are building, you know, projects in their backyard. They're um, building decks. They're building whatever based upon videos that they're watching online. We as attorneys uh, sometimes get arrogant and say, that could never happen to us. Um, <laughs> why not? That, you know, why couldn't it happen to us? Uh, it absolutely can happen to us, um, especially with the simplified divorces. That means if we have all the simplified divorces that are streamlined, uh, everyone's just going to be competing over all these big ones. Um, what I have realized and what I've done is I've tried to explain to people, look, I'm not trying to, uh, when I do some of the unbundled offers, um, in Illinois they have Supreme Court approved forms. So if someone wants to do their own divorce, there's some pretty good forms that explain the whole process. And I've recently started implementing a, a session where I'm calling it a case assessment with them, and I'm offering it to them at $400 at a, what I'm calling a value guaranteed. And what I say with that is, look, I guarantee you're going to find that this is valuable. I don't guarantee you're going to like what you hear. I don't guarantee to tell you anything you want to hear. But I guarantee you will walk out of my office with these forms. You're going to understand the process a lot better than when you came in. Mm-hmm. Um, if you don't like it or if you felt that it was a waste of time, I'll give you your money back. Uh, I've never had to give anyone their money back. So, um, because I, I take these forms and I explain it to them. We as attorneys, uh, we know, uh, legal terms of art, you know, forwards and backwards, but we fail to recognize that most people don't. And if you can just sit down with someone, explain it to them as a person, uh, you know, not in legalese, they appreciate that, you know, um, and I've had people come back for a second session pay another hourly rate, and they take care of the divorce on their own. 
Mm. Um, I've had people come in one session, and that's all they need. So, um, but then you also say to people, look, if if you can afford an attorney and you want that convenience of knowing that I'm I'm by your side the whole way, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do that uh, because you know you know your spouse better than I do. If it's gonna be an argument, if we're gonna fight over you know the color of the sky, um, you know, one spouse saying it's red, one saying it's green. Um, well, it's going to be a long process, and you probably want someone, you know, by your side. There's people that pretty much agree on everything. Um, all they need to do is get it on paper, or they need to know how to phrase it, where where to go, um, and that's really where I think the unbundled stuff comes in. And do you have some of those clients also? You know, you sit down with them first, and then they decide, hey, you know, either be the case becomes contested, maybe it's or maybe it wasn't simple to start with, and you're initially helping them. Uh, do they transition to full representation? And also, do you offer that as an initial step as a possibility when there is a contested case as well? Yeah, you know, I try and um, what I've done in, in terms of my systems and, and how you're very accurate in, in getting to know me and how I'm always trying to tweak it, um, and my staff probably hates it, but I, I do want to make the process <laughs> better for people all the time, um, both on our end and their end. But I used to do uh, free consultations for an hour um, and no charge on that, just just to kind of build that rapport with someone and everything, um, because I think that's the best way. You know, if you get somebody in your office, more than likely, you know, they, they're, they're going to hire you uh, if they have the funds and the need. Um, I switched that from free consultations to a free phone call, and I do a 15-minute call um, because... You know, when you get internet leads, sometimes you get people that are are calling uh, because they had a question, they had an argument with so and so, uh, and they want to just speak to an attorney to get their question answered. Uh, they don't have a case pending. They don't intend to go to court. They just wanted a question answered. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, I'd rather rather just answer the question, cross them off my list, and move on. You may have somebody that that is just clearly. I, you know, they're not really interested at all. Um, but but during my 15-minute call, the whole purpose is I'm just trying to feel them out, what's their situation. Um, and then I try to then, after that 15-minute call, move them into that case assessment more, hey, why don't we come in, uh, talk about your case more in detail. And at that point, I, I will tell them, look, I will charge for that um, because as attorneys, that's what we have to offer is our time. And I say, we respect your time and hopefully you respect ours um, because that's that's our gift that we can offer and that's our service that we can offer. So we do ask to be, you know, compensated for the time we spend with you. Um, and I do offer still even the value guaranteed on that. Um, and, again, I've never had anyone uh, take me up on it um, because it's value. How, you know, if you didn't think if you didn't think it was valuable, I'd rather give somebody their money back than, you know, have them go online and, try and say that, that we stole money from them or, or something like that. If they felt that they didn't get good service, well, then, you know, here's your money back and, you know, probably probably saved me a lot of money down the road dealing with the person. Yeah, and I think people are, could feel really comfortable with the fact that you stand behind the service and the advice and you know that it is valuable and you're, and you're willing to put that on the table to say, hey, look, you know, if this doesn't work out for you, you don't have to pay me a dime. But that, I, mean, I can only imagine that gives people a lot of confidence in knowing that, you know, that, that they're going to come in there and they're going to get some real guidance. Yep. Okay, cool. So so you switched that up a little bit on the, the free consultation to doing the phone call. That initial step that you're having them come in to enroll for, is that going to change? Do you sometimes, excuse me, get into the what you can do as far as for conversation a bundle? Or do you just say, okay, let, you know, if they depending on the scenario, will they come in and is it always that first step, that $400 you know, a couple hours or two hundred dollar hour. That initial, the initial step they're going to take is that always the same, or is that going to change? And do you have some people that will just retain over the phone, for example? Yeah, it's kind of organic. I, I think that um, uh, some people are ready to go right away. Um, they, they, you know, it, a lot of it will depend upon how they heard of you, right? If uh, the one thing is, uh, you know, if if it's a word of mouth referral and they uh, have a case pending. The chances are it's just at the meetings of formality. They want to make sure that they, uh, you know, okay, yep, I, I, I can trust you, you know, or I know you and they feel more comfortable. Um, that, that kind of comes back to that. The whole purpose of marketing is, 
you know, people hire those that they know, like, and trust. And uh, if it's a referral, you've already got that trust. When you come from something like an, uh, an unbundled, they don't know you. Uh, they probably don't like you, and, and, and they really don't trust you. So you're dealing with all three right away. Um, so the first thing we try and do is we try and uh, reach out to them, uh, either via text message, email, uh, get on the phone, so they at least start to know us. Um, the purpose of the call is to, you know, develop that relationship a little bit. Maybe see if they like us. Maybe they'll start trusting us. Um, it's really organic to, I guess, answer the question of, does it have to go from here to here? Like, no. Um, depending on the person's needs, uh, sometimes a 15-minute call may be an hour. You know, I'm, I'm, I don't, I never put a stopwatch on a call and say, you know, sorry, time's up, uh, because. I want to see where that conversation goes. I mean, the longer you're talking with someone, the more you're developing that rapport with them, that trust. You're you're uncovering those needs, um, and and you can do it in a more uh, less intrusive way, I guess. So, in like, you know, for example, if if we're talking unbundled versus full representation, um, obviously, if they have some assets or you know income, full representation would be a better route for them. If they don't. Uh, you can talk about the unbundle. So, for example, I talked to somebody today. They, it's a, 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 they have four kids, uh, non-married, and, uh, you know, during the conversation, she had called because the other guy, the guy's not paying child support, keeps getting laid off. And I said, okay, what kind of work are you doing? You know, and uh, she says, I'm laid off. Well, that to me is kind of like, hey, let's talk unbundled stuff. You know, let's not, let's not throw uh, giant retainer numbers at her and make her heart skip a beat. Let's talk, you know, unbundled first, and then we can talk about the other stuff down the road. Um, and that really worked out well. I think she's coming in soon to do one of our, our coaching session uh, case assessments. You know, yeah, yeah. I think what you've, what you've, what you're sharing here, Brian, is, is so, so important. And I think a lot of attorneys miss that is that if, if you can recognize that someone is, you know, of more limited means, or you can even identify where their means are at, it doesn't really serve the client or the potential of your relationship to talk about an option or present an option that's more than likely going to be outside of their ability to pay. Right? Correct. So, so we've, what I found to be most effective, or we've heard from attorneys, is being that are the you know a, a common theme of the highest converting lawyers when it comes to fielding our leads and, and getting them to being paying clients is they tailor fit the option they speak to based on just some questions and some. You know, feeling out that you know everyone, every attorney does a little bit uniquely, and we can maybe unpack that a bit. But you know, if they're not working, or you ask them, you know, can you give me a general idea of what you have set aside to invest in your case? You know, can you give me the idea of budget? And and then you you speak and and you, you know, like you said, you address that directly, and you you offer the option that seems like it'd be more suitable because people can always retain and and take more service from there, right? Yeah, absolutely. And and um, I think what it's important to recognize and and the the attorneys that are grasping this concept are the ones that recognize uh, in order to be replaced by, you know, to not be replaced by a, a computer, so to say, is recognizing that each case is different and treating each case is different. Don't don't go down just like a list of questions like your aunt, you know, giving a, an oral exam in, in high school or something. You got to, you got to let the conversation flow and, and, Try and hit on some points. Make sure you cover some things that are, are necessary, you know. But um, absolutely treat them, treat them uniquely, and uh, hopefully you can find a result that, that works for them. Yeah, absolutely. And so you've, you've developed some creative options on bundled services and various other ways in which you can work with folks. Uh, would you mind going through some of the different options you would offer someone? I don't know if you want to give context. Let's say this, we offer this, let's say this, we offer this, or if it'd be easier for you to just say, well, these are the various different things I do, and then how, how, you, know, what, how you offer them or when you offer them. Uh, maybe you can shine some light on that. So it might give some more ideas and ways attorneys can be more creative with the way they work with their clients. So, so in many ways, um, you know, I think I've either listened to some other people that have been on the show or, or um, some of the information that... Uh, um, yourself and, and Graham have, have shared um, where you can kind of um, treat it like cross-examination where, where you don't really, you ask the question, but you don't care what the answer is. Uh, and like when it comes to unbundled or, or limited scope services, you, you, you say, you know, uh, when, we, when they ask how much it is, I, I will, <clears throat> I'll, I'll tell people, um, 
we offer you know full representation uh, and you know unbundled or limited scope services. Have you ever heard of that? And, you know, I don't care if they say yes or no. I just go into the answer of what it means for us because um, you know I say you know they say yeah we have I know it great well uh, so as you know. Uh, what limited scope is, is, and then you get into what it is. Or if they don't know, you say limited scope is uh, where you can uh, get the uh, assistance of an attorney, um, and this is more uh, appropriate for someone that either has limited means, um, you know, they want the help but they really can't afford it, or if if it's for someone that's more of a do-it-yourselfer, um, they want to do it on their own but they also don't want to, you know, take on the the responsibility without knowing exactly what they're doing, and they just they feel like if they get some guidance from an attorney, um, they, they'll they'll be able to take it from there. And uh, depending upon what the person's case is, I, I would give them an example. Uh, I would tell them, uh, for example, if you uh, if it's a divorce case and uh, you want to do it on your own, I'll do that uh, case assessment. I'll say, uh, you know, with the case assessment, you're going to walk out of my office. You're going to know um, the documents that you need to finish the case. You know, so you'll need a petition for dissolution. You'll need a judgment. You'll need a summons. You'll need a financial affidavit. I'll make sure that they have a checklist of all the things they need. Um, we're going to talk about what the documents need to have, what items you're going to need, um, and go through that option. If they come in and maybe they have a, a situation that's, um, you know, like the call I had today where it was a, uh, a back child support issue, and I say, well, in, in that situation, um, you need to file uh, a petition for rule to show cause because he's behind in support, um, and then you also need to uh, address the issue with the new child. So I, I would assess the situation, say, you know, kind of get their goals, and, and you want to – it's real important, I guess, to, to confirm that that's what they want. Because sometimes we might hear something and then, uh, you know, say the wrong, you know, solution. You know, so you say, you know, just to make sure you want to make sure you get that new child included on this, and then you want to – kind of hold him accountable. Is that right? She said, yes. Okay, great. Um, so, you know, for a petition for rule to show cause, um, you know, we can prepare that document. We'd have to review your, your case. Quite frankly, it may take uh, like a half hour to prepare the actual petition, but probably maybe another half hour to an hour and a half to get the previous court orders just to make sure that you've crossed your T's and dotted your I's. Then I quoted a flat rate of $500 to prepare that petition. Um, and then for the other one, I said uh, we could probably do a flat rate uh, between 300 and 500 depending upon the details. Usually I, I like to try and leave a little little wiggle room um, and say we, we would like to know a little bit more uh, before we, we give you the final quote, um, especially during that 15-minute call. If it's in an hour session, I'll really try and nail down what is it that they want to do and then I, I can ballpark in my head how much time I think that's going to take me to do. Uh, and then I try and bill in maybe some buffer time, probably about a, an hour or so, give them a flat rate. Uh, they like that because it's less uh, of a surprise bill. Uh, if we do our job and we take advantage of technology, it should work out well for us because um, we're being a little bit more efficient with our time, kind of a win-win. They then go to, to court and represent themselves. So that's uh, document preparation, I guess, is that short answer on that. I've never off, uh, done an unbundled court representation, um, probably in part because I maybe quote too high on that. But I do know that, that going to court takes up a lot of your time. You don't want to show up and be unprepared. Uh, so I do want to make sure that I'm providing a realistic quote on that, something mm-hmm. that's profitable for, for us uh, as a firm, you know, as well, because... Sometimes you go to court and you could be stuck there for three hours uh, that I, I can't really be billing for somebody else. So, uh, you know, I'll, I'll usually quote something higher, and it really depends upon what's going on. So, Okay, and so that's a, that's a great breakdown. So usually if it's a case assessment, is a case assessment different than the docking preparation? Case assessment is you're going through with them, preparing it, or that's pretty much a similar thing? Is that where they're coming in, they're reviewing, you're, and you're drafting that's usually in that three to five hundred dollar range because you're adding a bit of buffer there, right? So more, more of the case assessment is more. Uh, I'm not going to prepare the documents. I'm going to go over your case, make sure I understand it better, uh, so I understand you know what retirement accounts do you have? What you know do you have kids? Have you discussed this? Have you discussed the parenting plan? 
kind of really go through more of the detailed steps of what's included in a parenting plan, what's included in a uh, marital settlement agreement, but I don't fill anything out during that case assessment. I will walk them through what's in there um, and tell them what to do, make sure they understand, like, where, where do they need to go? Because, quite frankly, that's one of the most... Uh, the things that we attorneys take for granted, obviously how scary it is to go into court, um, you know, they don't know where to go. You know, I, I practice in Cook County, Will County. Uh, you know, if you tell the person you're going to go, uh, if you're in Will County, Illinois, that you're going to go in, you're going to go to the second floor, you're going to turn left. Uh, that makes them feel a little bit more at ease. Okay, second floor, turn left. Uh, then you, they know what they're looking for, as opposed to just walking into a strange building trying to figure out where they're going to go, and, and literally trying to give them step by step. Now, here's the documents. You're going to fill these out. You're going to make three copies. You're then going to go here. You're then going to go here. And then they they really get that uh, sense of, um, okay, I, I can do this. Uh, that's during the case assessment, so I'm not filling out the forms there. The document preparation would be more of, um, you know, calling in or either meeting in person. I've got the information I need. They say prepare the documents for me. We'll prepare them, email it to them uh, for review, and then they will say, yep, this is exactly what I wanted. Or uh, we, we build in at least one revision within there. Okay. So, what is the case assessment? What do you typically charge for that if they're just doing that 400. piece? Of- 400 is what I've been charging for that. My hourly rate is 325. Um, and, and the reason there's, there's a little bit extra in there, um, and, and quite frankly, it probably should be a little bit higher in terms of the case assessment because... We do like to have the forms prepared ahead of time, um, you know, or at least ready to go to hand to the client um, so they can have it ready, and then they walk out with something in their hands as far as, you know, they know what they need to do now. Mm-hmm. Um, and how do you ascertain whether you're going to do a case assessment or document preparation? Because it sounds like they can go either direction at that point. And it yeah, sounds like usually, they're kind of similar similar cost, right? I mean, one, like doc prep is usually around 500 case assessment 400 so... How do you ascertain which which direction to push them in at that point? Or not push them in, you ask them, obviously. Correct, correct. I I get what you mean, but I I will usually uh, go with the the case assessment. I I think that really, quite frankly, that's the best value they're going to get. Even though they're not having the documents prepared, you're getting the time, which is more uh, valuable. You're getting the time of an attorney. And I'm getting my associate attorney kind of caught up on on how we're doing these and... and, uh, to, you know, so we can have more, more of these done, um, you know, and are more availability because obviously I can only be available at one time or one place. Um, but the case assessment usually could then lead to the document preparation because really you can un- uncover the document preparation um, in terms of like your, your, your target audience is, is really for the person that's maybe they, they make enough money, but they just don't want to do it. Um, or they're, they're, you know, too nervous about it or for whatever reason. Um, but, but really your, your best client for that is the person that, that makes enough money. Uh, they know they could do it on their own, but they want that convenience of an attorney to do it. That's for your document preparation, uh, as far as the best results that I've seen. Um, because otherwise if they have lower income, uh, they're usually understanding that, Hey, I got to do this on my own, but I would like that help. You know, and they, they, they just need that time with an attorney, more, more so in my, my experience with it. Yeah. You mentioned something about being more efficient with your time. So I want to cover that in just a second, but I don't know how to get at this, but it, it seems to me that there's, there's, there's a wide variety of, of what attorneys will offer when it comes to these options. And very few, there's a lot more attorneys that will do unbundled here and there if, clients ask for it and then you say well we do this up bundle thing but you know if you you know if you could afford it we we, we, definitely, we go with this for representation and then what they do is they just get really creative and flexible with the initial retainer on for representation and don't necessarily do the unbundled where they break it up into a case assessment then they do the doc prep and then maybe a transitions to for representation where they they really and what i'm hearing is that you do take a and like a, a supportive role and making sure that client understands, okay, okay, so you're going to handle some of these things on your own. You're a limited means, so I'm going to help you one step at a time. As opposed to, okay, you're of limited means. Let's figure out how we can make it so that you can afford for representation. And you, you tend to go for the more the former approach. And then sometimes people, as you mentioned before, will transition to the full later on, perhaps. 
but you don't necessarily go straight to figuring out the full representation. You you will offer these you know task by task type of approaches. Um, why do you, why why have you felt like that's a a better approach? And why do you think some attorneys, you know, if you were to you know put your opinion or a guess on it, like don't think to offer these initial phases, these initial unbundled services for folks that are more limited means, and just try to you know f- figure out a way to do the full representation right off the bat. Uh, the the latter question, it, it's probably more of a, a force of habit. You know, um, they they've always done it that way. There's um, I was talking with a colleague the other day about there's a little bit more seasoned in the sense of uh, uh, they kind of have certain ways they like to do things. Uh, and I said, well, why do you do that? And the, the response is kind of, well, that's how I've always done it. Um, and that is an, an often a part of, of why people do it. It's, uh, um, and it reminded me of the, the Zig Ziglar story about the, uh, the husband and wife that, that got a brand new ham and they, they just bought a new house and put the, the wife cuts off the ends of the ham to put in the oven. The husband says, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? And the wife says, that's how my mother did it. We always do it that way. So they call the mom. Mom says, yeah, that's, that's what we do. We cut off the ends of the ham because my mom always did it, your grandmother. So then the couple calls the grandmother and says, Grandma, do you, you cut off the ends of the ham. Why do you do that? And she says, because my oven was too small. <laughs> and that's kind of the response that sometimes people have. Well, you always get a, a large retainer. Well, why? Because that's what we do. Um, if, if their answer is just because, well, I don't know. I don't know how you change that mind. Sometimes they have to look at themselves and say, what is it that I want? Um, some people feel like they need to have that giant, re, you know, retainer uh, account really high, um, and they don't realize. Um, I think you've touched on it on other episodes. You know, your hourly rate, your hourly rate, whether you're, you know, doing uh, work that's got a retainer on account or someone's writing a check or, or paying for the services right then and there. So um, I think a lot of it's just the lack of education on it. You know, not not that they're not smart. Um, obviously, they're, they're smart enough to pass a bar exam. So it's really just, uh, you know, kind of becoming educated on your options and, and what you can offer people. Um, you know, and I think I forgot the first part of your question. So. Well, yeah, that's, that, no, no. It, I basically just grouped a giant question into really a complicated way of phrasing it. So I think you're really getting at it. Uh, and that is that it's just, there's, there's an education component to learning how to offer these options and, and thinking in a little bit differently about, okay, well, maybe we do this, take this phase at a time and I empower that client to handle these things on their own because 80% of people are going to handle it on their own themselves. Those are the statistics as they stand right now. Uh, and yeah. so inevitably that's going to be going on. And so either, like you said earlier, they're going to get help and guidance from an attorney or they're not. And so that's how this can serve the legal community, of course, is attorneys being willing to offer these options and take people that would otherwise represent themselves and give them the help they need to do so, um, as opposed to trying to figure out a way to fit in their budget, which works well, too. I mean, attorneys that are being flexible and trying to fit a payment plan into people's budget and, and providing that for representation, that's a great service, too. And you know that's really helping a lot of folks as well. And this unbundled option and the way that you can work with folks one step at a time and allow them to consider the possibility of doing some things on their own uh, is can be you know just as lucrative. And also, you know, depending on your levels of efficiency, can uh, can even lead to a higher effective hourly rate. Sure. You know, and I, I um, one of the other things that I do is I do offer a, a flat rate on contested divorce. Um, and and what I try and do on it depends on parenting plan or uh, or kids or no kids in, in terms of the cost. But um, I think as attorneys, sometimes we, we often, you know, uh, believe uh, that, that our systems cannot be documented simply, uh, that we cannot break down what we do into a simplified process and that it, it's just too complex for people to understand. But in the reality is there are only so many problems that you can address in a family law court, you know, with, with kids. There are only so many issues that you can have. Um, Illinois, we only have four major decisions um, that the, the courts really get involved in. So we don't really get involved in, you know, what time did Johnny go to bed last night or did he have ice cream for breakfast? We're, you know, that's a parenting issue, and, you know, it's unfortunate, but the courts really don't micromanage that stuff. When it comes to property distributions, there's only so many issues you can have. Um, and we like to believe that there's an infinite amount of issues and it's just too complex to, to put down, but it's not. 
you know, um, you, you can build in some, some uh, you know, a flat rate kind of a, you know, ballpark number to say, hey, look, if, it, if it's uncontested or we don't really have a lot of issues, here's about the time it's going to put together uh, a marital settlement agreement, a judgment, whatever each individual attorney, you know, whatever time it takes for them to do it, you know, take that times your hourly rate, maybe, maybe double it. Um, and then that way you've got a little buffer built in. So if, if something comes up, uh, you can say, look, we'll have one, one revision session. Um, you know, so if someone charges 300 bucks an hour, uh, you know, say, say, uh, you know, $2,000 is the cost to put something together. Um, and that way you've got your, the time put together for, for three hours, uh, and then some profit on top of it that the client gets a fixed cost, uh, in their head for a, a marital settlement agreement. Now you have to make sure they understand there's more documents beyond that. And that if, uh, if, if it becomes contested, there will be more work. You know, this is just preparation of it okay and you know stuff stuff like that i think i think sometimes people just need the steps uh, how, how would i go about creating a flat rate you know um well how long does it take you to do it you know and do you charge hourly you know then build in some profit there then if you build in a little bit of profit and uh now you can train yourself to become more efficient because the more efficient you are now the more profit you get because you're taking less time um you know, it's just a different way of thinking, I think. You know? Yeah, and, and this is this is so, so, so important, especially when you're talking about being efficient. We're going to unpack that in just a second because I know there's some technology behind that that you can start to leverage. And one thing I want to just add here is that it's not necessarily thinking about just how long it takes you because, like you said, you can become very efficient. And what used to take you three hours could potentially now take you one or right. one and a half if you leverage technology in a way that we can just you know talk about in just a minute. It's also thinking about it in terms of the value you're bringing to the client, especially relative to what every other attorney is offering them. You know, inevitably, when you're calling leads, as you know, you, know, you, you may contest you, Brian. You call the client, you say, have you spoken to any other attorneys? They said, yeah, they, they wanted $3,500 up front, and I can't afford that, right? And so if you can deliver, you know, if, it's a lot easier to do the flat rates even on a, on, on a task-by-task basis just sure. like the document preparation, like you're quoting 500, which is very generous and, and very fair. And you know, we've had other attorneys that have quoted 750. I mean, there's that room in there. It's not necessarily if you're thinking about, well, that's going to take me two hours and my hourly rate is 325, so I need to charge 650. Well, to the, to the client, the opportunity to work with an attorney and have them give them guidance, draft their documents, and get them everything they need to do to file it themselves relative to someone who's basically they can't afford, that's $3,500, it now gives them the ability to work with that person. That's a huge value to them at, you know, $650, $700 or $500 or whatever it might be. In it, it, it itself, it doesn't mean that that has to take you two hours, right? And so you can, you can charge accordingly. So let's say you quote $500. The issue maybe now normally it takes you two hours or let's say it takes you an hour and a half. If you can start to bring some efficiency into that, that process and get it done in an hour – that doesn't mean you have to charge less because it's taking you less time. You can still charge the same amount, but now all of a sudden your effective hourly rate goes up as you continue to increase the efficiency because the value is still there. Right. Well, and, and, and you know, obviously the larger firms, um, they're, a lot of them are still married to the hourly rate, which uh, really it, it punishes efficiency, you know? So, um, you know, redundancy is amazing and people love it because everybody can get that hourly rate, but, um, you know, in their, their hours in, so to say, but does that help a client? I don't, I don't think so. Um, you know, uh, our, our number one goal, you know, what I tell, uh, you could, you could call both of my employees and they would say our number one goal is client satisfaction. Uh, first and foremost, before, before I say profits and I tell them my second goal is employee satisfaction, but the profits and all that stuff will follow. You know, if you do a good job, people will know your name. They will appreciate your help. And uh, I think that if you recognize client satisfaction as being number one, well, how can you, how can you get that client satisfied? Uh, they're not satisfied if they feel like you're jerking them around, you know, delaying something, you know, that, that should take you one hour uh, for five hours and then sending them a bill for five hours. Um, they would appreciate, you know, a flat rate, no surprise billing, you know, and... Uh, yeah, that's where that unbundle can really help. Yeah, and, and and you're not in in uh, in the situation where you have to figure out a flat rate for an entire case. 
and then Correct. build in all kinds of contingencies. Well, but if it goes over here, it's going to be more that kind of thing. You know, the unbundled is a lot easier to quote a flat rate because you know what that task is going to take, and there isn't a lot of other contingencies around that, right? And yeah, so maybe we could just go ahead. Oh no, I think there are some people that do flat rate divorces and stuff, and I and they do a great job and they're very profitable. And in my head, the thing that I struggle with is uh, inevitably if you quote a flat rate. Um, you're, it's like insurance, right? You're hoping that the peop, some people use all the money, some don't. Uh, some cases are going to be contested, some are going to be uncontested. So it really, those uncontested cases end up paying a lot more than what the contested cases were if you broke it down by hourly rate. So it, it, in a sense, it seems unbalanced and fair. Obviously, if the clients are, are satisfied, it doesn't matter. But it just, in my head, I have that hard time justifying, you know, charging, uh, you know, a $10,000 divorce uh, to the same two people when one was a super easy, uh, you know, no uncontested matter, whereas the other one was contested and you're in court the whole time and, you know, um, both get charged the same amount. Um, doesn't feel, doesn't feel right, but maybe that's some of, in my head, some of the old thinking too. So Sure. Um, yeah. Okay. So let's, let's try to unpack this. And this, this answer to this question could probably make up an entire other episode, but we'll do our best to unpack it. But let's say, you know, if, if an attorney is like, okay, well, I'm going to, I'm going to start offering unbundled services. I want to do docking preparation for 500. And maybe when they first start doing this, that takes them two hours, right? And let's say just for numbers sake, their hourly rates, 250 an hour, they charge seven, you know, $500 for that two hours of time, $500, right? But if they were able to get it to the point where they could do that in one hour, now all of a sudden their effective hourly rate would now be $500 per hour, right? And so mm -hmm. what are some of the things that attorneys can do to start getting these things done so that instead of it taking two hours, it could start taking one? Uh, you know, there, there's a, the first and foremost is you've got to be thinking all the time of how can I make this better and easier for myself? Um, then, you know, you kind of got to know yourself. Um, so if you enjoy learning new technology and playing around with new software and, and trying to implement it, there's tons of things out there now that, um, you know, can help you along this process. So the very first thing has got to be some sort of electronic intake, um, whether it's through, I know some colleagues and, and people in other, you know, mastermind groups that I'm, I'm, I belong to use Google Forms, um, and, or, you know, there's, uh, uh, different things all all over the place. Uh, Clio, Lexicata, I mean, just, there's a lot of different absolutely. ones. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you can use this stuff online. Uh, you can have clients fill it in online. Um, and then you got to kind of figure out, okay, now that I've got this information, how can I then use it to, to really automate my process? Whether you take advantage of, you know, the document preparations. You know, I do use Clio. I use Smokeball. Um, I had used Lexicata for a while and, and was very happy with that service. I, um, uh, there, there's definitely ways that you can take advantage of technology. Um, for example, you get the information into a Clio uh, from, from Lexicata or from a, an, a different uh, source. You get it in the Clio. Clio has a document uh, you know, a preparation within there. It's, it's not my favorite. I started using Smokeball. Smokeball is a little, little cleaner. It's a little faster. Um, in terms of getting stuff in and out. Um, so in that sense, when you start taking advantage of technology, you're really leveraging your ability to offer these services. You cannot possibly offer um, you know, document preparation if you have no way of getting basic information into a pleading or into a, you know, just a document that would need to be filed with the court. It's got to be automated. Otherwise, uh, you know, that... <laughs> That's your first step. You know, you you got to get take advantage of some technology. Um, yeah, because it's more realistic that they would, if they were to actually try to do this at an hourly rate, it probably would take them four hours if they didn't have any correct. of their systems. So it'd be like they'd have to charge a thousand, uh, and so then now all of a sudden they're getting into the the cost of a re of a full retainer or initial down payment. So to get it down to something they could do it in one hour for five hundred or two hours for seven fifty, where they're seeing that three to five hundred dollar effective hourly rate, they're going to need these systems regardless. Right, and and I think that that uh, the key is really you know know yourself. If if you are very good at learning this stuff and and figuring out how, how to implement your different softwares, uh, there's not one software that will fix everything. Uh, so if you're looking for that, you know stop because it just it doesn't exist. But you can find different softwares and get what you need from them. Um, 
take advantage of something like Zapier, which will connect and communicate different softwares together. Um, if you don't know how to use it, uh, find someone that does. Um, there's a website, that Upwork.com. It's, it's great. You can put something on there. I need a little bit of help with X, Y, and Z. You can set out an hourly uh, rate on that. You can set out a contract rate, and you can have somebody uh, set up a form for you. Let's just say you needed a Google form to get basic stuff in there and you had no idea. You could go on Upwork and you say, I need someone to help me set up a Google form. Great. You can set it up. Uh, you can, if, you, if you don't mind using someone international, you can do that. If you want someone only in the U.S., you can limit to that. Um, obviously, here in the States, you'll probably pay a little bit more, um, but that's really up to you. But if you don't know how to do it, uh, learn it. If you don't want to learn it, find someone that knows how to do it and pay for it. I mean, if you think about it, you've got to think long-term on, on your business. If, if you paid someone a 1000 bucks to figure out a system that would be able to, to allow you to create $500 documents right, for an hour of your time, uh, you know, we, this sounds like a terrible algebra problem, but how many, you know, documents would you have to create before it paid for itself? Um, it, it, it will make sense over time if you put in the, you know, the, either the, the, your physical time or, you know, your monetary efforts into improving your systems, it will pay off for you uh, down the road. Yeah, I mean, it's really just the importance of being willing to make an investment into re- the refinement and development of your systems of efficiency. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and I mean, never settle with it. It's going to have to always improve. Things will change. You know, it, it will have to con- constantly make it better. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Uh, it's something that we've put a lot of time and energy into. Um, as of probably by the time this episode is here, is being heard, we've already uh, will have launched the Lexicata integration. So now we can just deliver leads directly into Lexicata in real time. And the, the intake can then be processed in Lexicata, autoresponding emails, uh, you know, drip, uh, you can put it into a drip campaign, you know, automate your sales CRM, and then that can automatically, with the click of a button, drop into Clio. Then you can draft things up with Clio. You can have, you know, merge fields that go right into the documents. All these, you know, this may sound like some techno jumble jumble, but once you start to see the, the streamline and the way this can all happen, things become a lot faster, a lot more efficient, and then you can start to build in more margin in your flat rate quotes, or you can start to offer more affordable service options, you know, again, with that buffer, like you said, and start serving more clients, uh, but still seeing that really, that, that hourly rate or even a higher effective hourly rate uh, as a result. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And then, so I guess, you know, you know, I'll ask maybe the final question here, and then we'll just go ahead and wrap up for today. Uh, I really appreciate your insights on, on all these things you're you're definitely someone that's continuously updating and improving your systems and finding more creative ways to do that. And, you know, you're one of the first people to start, you know, tearing apart every podcast that goes, that goes out there. So I really appreciate, you know, how much you, you know, are willing to, to learn constantly and improve your systems. And I think that's uh, in today's age, today's, you know, internet-based age and also the way the marketplace has shifted where so many people are going alone now and doing things on their own. That's really a, a critical component of continuing to grow a, a thriving business in this times. I guess the final thing would just be, you know, we've been doing, we've been working together for over a year now. You've taken, you know, two, three hundred leads from us. And over the years, you know, over the, over this year and a half or so, you've worked in different counties and so forth. But is there anything else that you, you would look back and felt like was the, you know, a, a big learning lesson or something that you took away that was a big, um, made a big difference for you in either being effective with these leads or just overall working with clients? Uh, you know, with, with, with the leads, um, I think the, the importance is uh, if, if someone is starting out with it, uh, start small, you know, and, and constantly be um, asking yourself, like, what is my process for this? Like, what do I expect to do? You know, if it's going to be a phone call, if it's going to be an email, um, and keep track of it. You know, if you got a, if, if John Doe uh, comes in, you know, if, if you plan to call John Doe first, then call him. If you email, email. But then make sure you run through, uh, like, a checklist. You know, the, the whole purpose of, in, in our office, our goal when we get a lead is to, you know, to get them on the phone to uh, ultimately either get a yes or a no. Do they want to be a client or, or not? You know, it's kind of that simple. You don't have to make it overly complex. You don't have to force people to do what they don't want to do. Um, but just creating a system, follow up with it. Start small, you know, and because 
uh, depending on your counties, um, you know, if, if you're not, if you don't stay on top of the leads, they'll stay on top of you. You know, like you have to, you have to, uh, start, uh, you know, sorry, that's my alarm to, to not become a client. I, I have to check in, you know, I check, check in with my wife there, but you got to stay on top of your leads, uh, to, uh, to not let them slip through the cracks. And I, I've definitely made the mistake of that at times, um, that, that many attorneys make in, in that, uh, we get real busy and, and we come up with every excuse not to make the call or to, to not follow up. And, uh, you know, people will eventually move on. Uh, again, with that, the, the, the no like and trust, um, they don't know you, they don't really like you or trust you. So the second they reach out, um, you've got to try and reach out to them as soon as possible. Um, and I've been trying to have, have my team members, uh, you know, reach out and at least get them on the phone, get them to talk. If I'm not available, um, get them on the phone, say, you know, talk to them and then try and schedule a call. Um, so the, that, that's the best thing you do. Get them on the phone as fast as you can. Uh, see what's going on. If you've got a pain point that you can help with, um, figure out the best solution and, and give them a couple options. Don't give them too many options. You know, option A, option B, which would you like, and then let them decide. Yeah, yeah, I think we really covered uh, some of the, the real core fundamentals of making this this whole business model work, and and I I think your 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 comments there about the mindset of building systems, starting small, and then starting to think about what are all the things that happen. You know, in in sales or in business, we think of the standing oper- standard operating procedure, like the SOPs. What are the SOPs of your business? And this is where I think you know lawyers start to think more as a business owner building a system as opposed to, you know, being self-employed where they're just doing the, you know, working for the, by the hour. They're starting to build a system and a business model that can serve a specific marketplace and, and, and the needs of those clients and starting to think in that way where you're starting to create systems for each process. You've got templates, you've got documents, you've got software that makes those things more efficiently, automatically sends emails, makes it really easy for people to sign and pay and does it all online and makes it easier for the client, makes it easier for you. I mean, these are the things that are going to gra- be able to enable most lawyers to be a competitive in a legal Zoom age or an age when you have you know all these other software company- companies out there, YouTube and all these things, is, 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 is really dialing in those systems, becoming as efficient as possible, and offering uh, a service offering that people can fit in their budget and, and, and are really going to be happy with and really has that value within it. So uh, these are these are the cores. These are the fundamentals, man. I, and I appreciate you breaking them all down. This is great. Yeah, I mean, we we have to recognize our we we're not going to be able to compete head to head with um, the the document automation, the legal zooms. Um, you, you won't be able to beat them on price, but if you know, because they'll they'll have the scale in the market, but you can beat them on value. Um, That's right. You know, so hey, if I'm I, I may charge a little bit more than that, but you're actually going to talk to me. You're not going to, or, or, you know, you'll see a picture of one of the attorneys you're talking to, so you know who you're talking to. It's not going to be, you know, somebody in a cubicle, you know, hundreds of miles away from you. I mean, that person might be efficient and, and good, but you may not speak to that same person the next time. So uh, you got to just remember that you, you can compete on value. Yes. And you will all, you know, it's in my opinion personally, and I agree with you 100%, Brian, attorneys can always compete against the legal zooms on value. Uh, and they don't have to be. There's a lot of attorneys that are afraid. Oh well, is is my job going to get replaced by AI or some kind of you know uh, legal software technology that's just going to like answer questions for people and and then get things done and get them out the door? You know, and the answer most likely is no because people right. always want to want that relationship. They want to work with someone like you said. They know, they like, and they trust, and they know has their back and has experience and, and can deal with their emotions and and everything else that goes into being an attorney and counselor of law, you know, and that's that second component that is always going to be there. And, you know, a lot, these software companies cannot compete with that. Uh, and you can, they, like you said, they can't compete on price, but they can't compete on value when it comes to the relationship that's always there between a client and an attorney. All right. Absolutely. So, yeah, you know, Brian, I, again, I appreciate you so much for coming on and sharing your insights on this and all the, the nudges you've given me along the way, you know, we wouldn't be do, we wouldn't have completed this in, integration with Lexicata if it wasn't for your initial suggestions. Hey, man, you really you need to check these guys out. I think it's going to work well. So I thank you for being at the cutting edge of, you know, all this stuff and and making great suggestions and coming on here and, and sharing a lot of ideas and strategies you developed. 
and, about the uh, fourth hole, and I, if I remember, I, I could have swore you said I got a percentage of the, the growth after that, but maybe maybe we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll have, we'll have to figure out. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll throw in some, I think it's percentage of uh, lowering your golf score with golf lessons the next time yeah. I'm in Chicago, because on that fourth I hole, it. I think that par three at Cog Hill, we got to figure out a way to get that three iron on the board there. That's right, that's right. All right, so with that, we'll go ahead and wrap up. To everyone that's listening, we certainly appreciate, as always, uh, your participation in the show, sharing with others that uh, could be a benefit, and uh, you know, nudging attorneys to maybe think about doing things a new way than not necessarily the old way that's always been done, and figuring out ways to adapt and 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 embrace the changes in the market, changes in technology, and finding ways to work with folks, the average working folks that are out there. Uh, affordably in a way that that they're going to be happy with. So thank you so much for your participation. Share the episodes, and we will see you all on the next one. Thanks so much. For more information about how our lead generation services can help you grow your practice, visit our website at www.unbundledattorney.com. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please be sure to subscribe so you get each new episode as soon as it's available, and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Once again, thanks for listening. 